Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Hello and welcome to this edition of Accessible Theology. Thanks for listening with us uh, to this episode. So Michael is going to be answering a question for us uh, for the three-minute section. So he'll have three minutes to answer the following question, which is, does Paul argue against marriage in 1 Corinthians 7? So this is another listener question. We're thankful for that. And we think that uh, the listener was... Uh, referencing 1 Corinthians 7.38. So I'll read that for Michael and send him on his way. That says, So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. So Michael, your time starts now. This is a great question, and the challenge with it, um, as most things that we deal with in Scripture, is that in the New Covenant, there are tensions that we need to hold to, and it's easier to default to extremism rather than holding to tension. So I want to talk about that for the three minutes to unpack why I don't think Paul is arguing against marriage, but that doesn't mean that he's commanding or demanding marriage either. There's a principle that's more important to Paul here, and I believe that that, the most important thing to Paul is contentment or satisfaction in Christ— and a um, single-minded devotion to seeing the gospel spread. That's foundational to Paul's thinking, and that can be done in the context of marriage, and it can be done in the context of singleness. And Christ has so fulfilled and renewed the identity of the saint that Paul is writing such a countercultural statement here. In a day in which, when Paul's writing this, for example, if you are a widow, you might be taxed more the longer you went unmarried because you were looked at as more of a burden on society. And Paul is saying that in Christ, your hope is not in your family lineage. Your hope is in him and that you can serve the, the church with gladheartedness and experience fullness of life. In other words, you're not incomplete if you're not married. So Paul in verse 38 is saying that it, it would be better if you were able to control your passions so that you can give yourself fully to ministry. So if you're a single person listening to this, it, what I would encourage you to think through is, you know, I think many of you may be listening if you're single and you want to be married, and that's a good desire. And Paul would even affirm that if you read the opening chapter, uh, opening verses of chapter seven, he actually says, that uh, you know the Corinthians asked the question it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman and he says well because of the temptation to sexual immorality each man should have his own wife and then throughout this chapter Paul also says if you're burning with passions you should be married and so Paul is not saying don't be married but he's saying if you are able to rein in those passions and if you're able to live free of them you can actually be more free and ha- and be more advantageous to the gospel in your singleness potentially than you can be in your marriage. And that's the tension we want to hold is this isn't a blanket endorsement or a blanket condemnation of marriage. We don't so we don't need to go to extremes either way here. But what I what I'd encourage the church to hear in this is if you're single you're not incomplete. You have the advocate or the helper as Jesus says in John 14 through 16 by the work of the indwelling spirit in you in the new covenant. And you can be fully 
Christian, you can and you can enjoy the you can experience the fullness of joy in Christ without being married. And I believe that's Paul's main point in this chapter. Amen. <laughs> Give a hearty, hearty amen to that answer. Uh, and not only just the content of the answer, but how it helps us to think through uh, what we might see as uh, I think you even said um, apparent contradictions or things that are countercultural. Uh, and how we can stick with God's word and 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 read it rightly for what it says. Um, so what I think was most helpful was the, the paradigm shift uh, of saying Paul is focused on the spread of the gospel. So could you just speak maybe for a moment on the advantage of singleness in relation to the spread of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as of last January, I married um, and have thoroughly enjoyed marriage and see it as a beautiful and good thing. However, I do have less time. I was able to um, preach more often, help with things around the the church. I did a lot more with like, whether it be long care or helping with budget committee things, things that I before had a lot more time for. I just don't anymore. Um, and that's just a reality of what happens in marriage and Lord willing, if I have children one day, that'll continue to be uh, more time consuming and have to figure out how to live faithfully amidst that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is this, that when you are single, you are, your interests are not divided, which is exactly what Paul says in first Corinthians seven, that once you are married, you do have interests that and not just interest, but you have biblical obligations to fulfill to this person you're married to right. that will take up time. And those are good things. So it's not like you're failing if you are fulfilling your obligations to your uh, wife or your husband. However, it's a real thing that you don't have as much time to give. And so Paul even references the fact that the apostle Peter had a wife and he does. And Paul, while Paul didn't at the time of their ministries, and that, that shows us too, that, Men of God can have can be married or not, and that I, I what I think to answer your question about like the advantage of singleness, I would just like to say this: that in your singleness, the goal is very similar to your marriage, and that the ultimate goal is satisfaction and contentment and obedience to the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, so for example, if you're single and you feel like it's an affliction to be single, uh, to to be single, and you really want to be married, that's a good desire, but. What I can be, I'm, I'm a little perturbed and maybe even disturbed sometimes by in some settings in the church, when guys come forward and talk about struggles with lust or they want, really want to be married and they're and they're trying to reign in their passions, the answer is, well, then you should go get a spouse. It's like, well, yes, that's a mm-hmm. good thing, but that spouse will not solve the problem. The the hope that this this man needs to have and the contentment that needs to find is in Christ, and when that is had then marriage is a good option. So I was just talking to one of my pastors the other day about this, and I really appreciated the what, the way he put it was, if you are burning for the gospel brightly, the only reason that you should leave that stage of singleness if you are burning brightly to marry is if someone else helps you burn even brighter mm, and they join good. you in that race. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. So what I would say is the advantage of singleness is you can burn brightly and not be distracted by the cares that do come with having to uh, have, you know, maybe uh, divided interests that now you need to um, make sure that you're fulfilling your vows um, to your spouse in every way. And that's a, that's a good thing. Um, But if you meet someone who enables you by their relations to you to be even more Christ-like, 
then marry that person. Mm -hmm. Because the goal is Christ-likeness, right. not just that you would be married so you're not struggling with sexual temptation. I think sometimes that's what people default to. Um, and so I'd say the advantage is if you are someone who reigns in your passions and can live in holiness and pursue Jesus in the local church, you can like, G like Jesus, for example, in Mark 10, tells his disciples after Peter asks him, we've left everything for you. What are we going to get? And Jesus says, you get a hundredfold. You know, mm -hmm. if you've left brother or sister or mother or father for my namesake, you'll have a hundredfold. And I think Jesus is talking about the church in this present age. Those who forsake those things for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel of Christ will receive 100-fold and you can be actually satisfied. So I think that there's extremes in the church. And what I mean by that is some people have this mindset of as soon as you're 26, if you're not single, you should just go marry the first person you see. I think that's a dangerous expectation. The goal, right. the goal is again, contentment in Christ. Um, however, the reverse of that might be maybe what this question is hinting at is, well, they might be against marriage or think that Paul and the Bible is against marriage. And I would actually articulate that marriage is pretty normative in the church. When Paul writes to the church, he's often just writing to families when it gets down to it with the expectation that families will make up a large part of the church. And that's that's well and good. Um, so we, we need to hold that tension. Again, it's not extreme. So I think families and and being married is a very normal part of the Christian experience and should be endorsed and celebrated. And yet singleness also needs to be celebrated and they're not have to be, they don't have to be opposed to each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we oftentimes though, we feel incomplete in our singleness. And sometimes in the churches, I, you get a sense where it's almost as though like once you marry, you like level up in your maturity. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I remember one time one of my pastors asked me to meet with a younger married couple who was having some struggles who I was single at the time and I was older than these people I was meeting with. And he had asked me to meet with them to help disciple them through some things. And when I met with them, it became very clear to me that they thought they were there to help me because mm. I was the single guy. And there's that, you know, I think there's an almost this, uh, what is it? instinctive perspective that many people have in the church that once you marry, you're now the mature one. Mm. And that's just, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, there are, there are many mature single people, more mature single people than there are, you know, even married couples and, and uh, plenty of sin comes up in marriages. So, so I want to, so I, to answer one of the things I think that's going on in this question of Paul being, is he, is he against marriage? What's going on here is that I think Paul is dispelling those wrong headed presumptions that either singleness is better or marriage is better. And there, there's a, the goal is Christ-likeness. The goal is pursuing Jesus. The goal is a vibrant relationship with Christ that can be fulfilled either way. And mm -hmm. I think that is where you want to rest at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's very well said. So there was also a follow-up question uh, that goes along with this, uh, which asked, does the Great Commission replace the command we see in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. So mm -hmm. how would we think through that? I would say, and you know, in keeping with what I said so far, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think parents who raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord are fulfilling the great commission. So they can both be fruitful and multiply and fulfill that great commission and how they raise their children. So I, I, that's not replacement. That's a fulfillment of the original uh, call to the great, uh, the great, what we call cultural mandate through the great commission. So I'd say that first of all, for someone mm -hmm. who is married, but yes, if someone is not married and they're pursuing making disciples, as, as I referenced the Mark 10 passage earlier, if you forsake the 
like maybe a family and the the ideal, the American dream of a family with your two and a half kids and all that good stuff. If you forsake that for the kingdom and you live for Jesus, I believe that you can experience everything, um, like you can experience full joy, full satisfaction, and you can have um, a full relationship with Christ, which is lacking nothing. Mm-hmm. in that pursuit. So again, it depends. I, I wouldn't say that it's a direct replacement of the being fruitful and multiply, but Jesus says that some are called to be eunuchs. Um, and Paul is saying here that it is better for some not to marry than, uh, um, than others. And so that reality, we need to hold intention and say that for those who do not get married, that yes, they can act. They're not breaking. It's not like they're sinning against God by not having children. Um, if they are on the mission field, or even if they're, we don't even have to make it the ideal of missions. You can live in in America, serve faithfully in a local church as a single person for all your days, and you will receive the well done, my good and faithful servant from King Jesus in the end, and that is a life well lived. So I think that that, again, it depends. It depends on what God is calling you to. Are you being faithful to the station he has. And I think that's Paul's whole point in 1 Corinthians 7. He keeps saying over and over again, if you read this whole chapter out, he's, he says, if you're in a certain station, don't be looking at the other side of the fence and thinking the grass is greener there. Because yeah, I think that's what happens yeah. is we look at something else that we're not in. So for sing- single people, you think, oh, marriage is going to be beautiful. And for married people, it's oftentimes like, man, I had a lot more free time as a single person and life was so much easier then. The re- but Paul is saying... Live faithfully where God has put you. Mm-hmm. Be faithful there. Be content where God has you right now, and that is the life well lived. And so I think when Paul, for example, in Philippians four says he has found the secret to contentment, and that secret to contentment is that he is so satisfied in Christ that his circumstances are not what determine his joy, but God, the God of peace, whom he knows is his hope mm-hmm. and his security. That's what we need. That's what the church needs. So is Paul against marriage in this chapter? No. <laughs> He's not against marriage, but he's not saying you have to get married either. And I think if we put away those false dichotomies, we can have this robust understanding that in Christ we're complete. And you can, if it's a noble desire to be married, it's also a noble desire not to be married. And Jesus makes that possible in a way that was not true before the new covenant. The old covenant, I don't think this was something you could do in the old covenant. Paul, I think, is opening a new category for believers that in Christ, it's not all about being married and making covenant children and all these other things like they would have done in the old covenant, Mm. but you can give your life to this. So Paul is putting something that we could say is a direct benefit and privilege of Christ's work. Okay. We'll have to chase that rabbit at a, at a later date. Maybe somebody Mm. can ask a follow-up question on that (laughs) so that we can, but uh, I think again, that, that was, that was well, well stated, uh, specifically in setting our focus on uh, contentment in Christ. Uh, and if we have that, anything else is, is just a, uh, an added blessing on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything else you think needs to be said about either of these questions or this matter in general? Uh, no, I think, uh, Hold hold fast to the tensions. Don't grow weary and give in to extremes. If you're someone who's really struggling with sexual sin right now, mm-hmm. your hope is not just to get married. 
that is part that might be part of God's help for you down the road, mm-hmm. but your your hope is in Christ, not in just now being able to have sex down the road, mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. as some people seem to wrongly think. So understanding that is crucial because we need to read all of First Corinthians seven, and the same guy who says if you're burning with lust, get married also says it's better not to get married. <laughs> so we need to tie those two things together and not be extremists either way. I think right. Paul is I think Paul is beautifully demonstrating the um, the balanced approach the Christian life provides where it's neither against nor directly for those words we don't have to say for or against here that Paul's putting both forward and we should call each other to be content in Christ and to pursue him with full vigor. Amen. Yep, there's a there's a level of tension that we have to be comfortable with in reading scripture and in living the Christian life. So we would just encourage you not to try to explain away the tensions of scripture, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the one we've been talking about in this episode. Um, but ultimately, just to just to kind of wrap it up as a reminder, seek first your contentment in Christ mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about anything else because <laughs> if you have that, uh, you have everything, you have everything. So that's, where we're going to leave it for this episode. And we want to thank you again for listening. And as always, we want to charge you to love God, know truth and live accordingly.